This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Psalm 106. And uh, like yesterday's psalm, it's a psalm that uh, harkens back to uh, God's deliverance of his people out of Egypt and uh, taking them to the promised land. Like I said yesterday, it is the Old Testament, great picture of the Old Testament. And it is a pic, though it were real, it is a picture of God's deliverance of his people uh, from sin and death and taking them through the learning to walk with him, learning to walk in faith, and then ultimately bringing them to his best, to the spirit-filled life, the promised land. And so this one is a little bit more unique. It's different in that yesterday's kind of just took you through chronologic, through what God did, delivering, taking his people to Egypt, and then delivering them from Egypt. Here, we deal more directly with sin and how God continued to work, even though his people were sinful. And, you know, if if there's anything that we can hearken back to and then take direct application for today, it would be that man has always been sinful and God has always been at work in man, in humanity. And that truth is a truth that's been from time immemorial. It's gone all the way back to throughout history. And when you're thinking about this, when you're considering it, Wow, what a great psalm to go through what God did with the children of Israel and yet deal with their sinfulness and God's his steadfastness, his consistency, his uh, desire to ultimately bring about his best, even though we are we're sinful. Verse 106, chapter 106, verse one, praise the Lord. That's a good way to start, isn't it? We need to start that way anyway. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Notice God is good and he's worthy of praise no matter what position we find ourselves in for his mercies endure forever. And I think you ought to, that's a verse you ought to, you ought to memorize in your daily Bible study because it is a, a it's a historic, it is a powerful praise of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His mercies endure forever. That's a great way to open up thinking about God every morning in Bible study. I love that God's mercies are new every morning, but this is a, well, it's a powerful praise. He says, who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Notice, how can we talk about God? How can we declare his praises? That's what he says uh, at the end of verse two, who can declare his praises? We need to be the ones who do it because we're the ones that are experiencing, even though we we're, we're not perfect, even though we're marred, even though we're the ones who are struggling. He says, bless all those who keep justice and he who does righteousness at all times. Notice we keep justice and do righteousness by faith. Righteousness does come from faith. It doesn't come from our own ability to do things well. It comes from our ability to trust God and him do things well through us. He says, blessed are those who keep justice and who and he who does righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with 
the favor you have toward your people. Notice he's making that correlation between God's favor toward his people and that big giant overarching story of God's deliverance out of Egypt. And he's making direct application for himself. He says, remember me personally, O Lord, with your faith that you had toward your people. Oh, visit me with your salvation. Notice he's taking that saving of his people out of Israel, out of Egypt to a personal level. And he's saying, save me that I may see the benefits of your chosen ones. Notice he wants to be a part of God's people. He wants to be uh, one that is uh, chosen and that God is working his will <clears throat> and his way through. That I may rejoice in the gladness of your nations that I may glory with your inheritance. What he's saying is, I want to be a part of your plan and your people. And the reason he would even say that, or even recognize that he needed to be that, is because God is already calling him to that, because he is already at work making him one of those. He says, we have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. Notice there's a recognition here that we're sinful. And that sin was passed down from our fathers and we committed iniquity. And now we have done things that are quite clearly wicked. And, and you say, well, what's the difference? Iniquity is the idea of sin. It's, it's the idea of breaking that, that will of God and deviating from it in any possible way. Wickedness is the absolute horror of our hearts in sin. It is what we do that is so terrible to others. He said, our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. Notice, when they were in slavery in Egypt, they didn't see God. They didn't understand what he's doing. They did not remember the multitudes of your mercies, meaning they didn't remember what God did with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they were in the midst of Egypt. They were in the midst of slavery to sin, and they just couldn't see what God was doing. They didn't even recognize him. Notice, but they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea, even when God had delivered them out of Egypt, even when he'd sent the plagues, even when they had been saved from the death angel or when he passed by because of the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, even after he'd uh, given them all the gold and silver and took them out of Egypt, they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Why? Because of fear. And let me tell you something, fear is a powerful force in people's lives. And that fear, that fear caused them to turn against God. It's a result of their father's sin, their wickedness, and their iniquity. Nevertheless, notice, even though they were that, nevertheless, he saved them from, for his people's sake, that he might make his mighty power known. Notice, that he might make his mighty power known. His salvation is for his glory. When he saves you, he's glorifying himself. When he saves you from the mire of your life, he is glorifying himself, and you need to understand, why would God do that to me? So that he could prove that he has the power to do that for you. He is a God who is showing his power in his salvation. Notice, nevertheless, he saved them for his namesake, that he might make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it dried up. So he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. He, he, he did that for his glory and for him to be known. And he's going to do that for you. The waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. And so once they went through on dry ground, Pharaoh followed in his chariots and he lost his entire army in the Red Sea. Why? 
for God's glory. Even though the enemy pursues after you, even though you feel like you're in the midst of, of your enemies camped all around you, even though you feel like uh, the whole world is crashing in on you, God is delivering you in the midst of that. Then they believed his word and they sang his praise. Wow. When God acts, we, we learn how to walk by faith. We need to remember when God acts. You need to remember when he acts in your life. You need to remember the good things that he's done in the past because that will strengthen your faith for the future. Verse 13, they soon forgot his works. We can easily do that, don't we? We need to remember, but so easily do we forget. They did not wait for his counsel. Notice they forgot what he did just real quickly, and then they didn't wait for what he was going to do down the road, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. Notice uh, when we don't act in our faith, we feel empty. Our, our soul feels unfulfilled. Our, our lives feel meaningless. And when we give into our fleshly desires, we get tested in the desert. Our, our faith is being tested in the wilderness experience. You learning to trust God is a, it's a difficult thing. It's a hard thing. It says, verse 16, when they envied Moses in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram. Notice that was that rebellion where they, where they just said, we ought to be in charge. And God said, I'm in charge and I choose who's in charge. And fire was kindled in their company and the flame burned up the wicked. And you've got to search out God's will and his way. And you've got to allow God uh, to do his work in whatever form that is. And you've got to trust him for it. And that's not what happened was there other people said, you know what, we're going to choose our own way. And we're just as good as Moses and Aaron. And, and what happened? They were swallowed up by their pride. He says, verse 19, they made a calf of Horeb and worshiped the molded image. Notice that idolatry, that worshiping the created rather than the creator. And we do that all the time. We worship the created rather than the creator in all ways in our life. We do. And I do it myself, and I know you do too. And that takes so, so many forms. And it's so insidious. It just it seeps into everything. Our lives are spent building up and, and trying to make things happen rather than building our faith in God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We just love ourselves and love the world. And that's what happened here. They, they turned to worshiping the created rather than the creator. In verse 20, it says, thus they changed their glory into the image of an ox that eats grass. That's stark, isn't it? That's, that's kind of hits home right there. Can you imagine you're changing, you're exchanging the glory that God has given you by his grace into an animal? They forgot God, their savior, who had done great things in Egypt. And you'd say, well, how do they forget that? The same question can be asked of you. How do you forget the things that God has done for you? Who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. God does those wondrous things. And he did those great and powerful things by the Red Sea, and we forget them. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he destroy them. And I, I love this picture because Moses is the liver, and, and Moses stands in the breach in the gap. Also, Moses is, by the way, you do know he's the picture of Jesus. He's a type of Christ in the Old Testament. And that type of Christ, it's a powerful type. It's a picture of Jesus standing in the gap, of Jesus being our deliverer, even after 
we're born again and we've walked into that salvific process. He continues to stand in the gap for us, even in the midst of our sin and our struggle. He is continuing to intercede on our behalf at the right hand of the Father. It says, then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his word. Notice, they didn't want to go into the promised land. And boy, that is, that's not a picture of Christianity today. And the average believer, I don't know what is. As a pastor, it's difficult to get people to walk in faith and see God for the big things in their lives and desire the big things to happen and to see his hand at work in powerful ways. Boy, it's difficult. And boy, it's difficult for me sometimes myself. He said, but they complained in their tents and did not heed the voice of the Lord. They didn't want to go in the promised land. They're giants in the land. They, that, that's not something we should do. I'm worried. He said, and God told them to go, but they didn't. They hid in their tents. And therefore he raised his hand in an oath against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their descendants among the nations and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices made to the dead. Notice they just get into all kinds of mess. And uh, I could go into, that's a picture of some of the things that uh, modern day Christians actually get involved in, even to the day, to this day, through some festivals that generally speaking have, have become famous in New Orleans. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds and the plague broke out among them. Then Pinehas stood up and intervened and the plague was stopped. And that was accounted to him for righteousness in all generations forevermore. Notice there's another one who stands up as Jesus stands up for them. And in the midst of their own plagues, because of their lack of faithfulness, there's always a deliverer that comes. And that deliverer, permanent deliverer, that final deliverer is Jesus himself. And wow, what a story of deliverance that God has given us. Even in this psalm, he's given us a song that tells us that God even after we're born again and after we're saved from Egypt, he is still sent his deliverer to stand in the gap for us. He is still working his will and his way, even though we provoked him to anger by our unfaithfulness, our will, unwillingness to walk by faith. They angered him also in the waters of strife so that it went ill with Moses on account of them because they rebelled against his spirit so that he spoke rashly with his lips. Notice they even caused Moses to get angry and mad. And boy, if you've ever dealt with a pastor uh, who is trying to lead his people to his best, to their best, boy, that is a, that's a common thread throughout history. Verse 30, 34, they did not destroy the peoples concerning whom the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the Gentiles and learned their works. They served their idols, which became a snare to them, they even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. This is even after they entered into the promised land. That's a picture of, uh, of them uh, making sacrifice to uh, the Baal gods, to uh, Molech. And uh, notice it's mentioned again in verse in chapter 106 of, of the book of Psalms. He's saying in Psalm 106 that he, he that is evil. Then they sacrificed their sons and their daughters to demons. And they shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of the Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus they were defiled by their own works and played the harlot by their own deeds. This is a continual story. Even in the promised land, people don't want to 
walk with God and they chase after the most horrific evil possible. If you wonder how can Christians act that way, you need to read Psalm 106. It's a great ex explanation of that. Therefore, the wrath of, Lord, of the Lord was kindled against his people so that he abhorred his own inheritance. Notice, God got angry with them. He gave them into the hand of the Gentiles and those who hated them ruled over them. Notice he will discipline his children and he is doing that here. That's a picture of it. And he's going to do that in your life. If you don't walk by faith, he's going to teach you to walk by faith one way or the other. Their enemies also oppressed them and they brought them into subjugation under the hand. Many times he delivered them, but they rebelled in their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. And, it, and that's a constant picture as we go through um, the Kings and Chronicles and through the prophets, all of the pictures of God's people continually to fall back in rebellion against God. So it's the natural na nature of God's natural nature of man's heart to rebel against God. Verse 44, nevertheless, he regarded their afflictions when he heard their cry. Notice if you're willing to turn to him, he's turning to you. And that's a, a great turn in this psalm where he shows that if, if you're willing to turn and reach out to him, he is always there. And for their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented, relented according to the multitude of his mercies. Notice God's full of grace and mercy. He always has been and he always will be. He also made them to be pitied by all those who carried them away captive. Notice he even gave them favor in their captivity. Save us, O Lord, our God. And he's ending here in the last two verses where he's bringing it very personal. Save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the Gentiles to give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. What he's saying is bring me back to that place where I am with you and where I give thanks and where I walk in triumph before you. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, amen. Praise the Lord. If you're in that place where you feel like you're one of these people that are being mentioned in this psalm, I would say to you today to return to the place where you met him before. Go meet him among his people as they worship and go seek his face there. Turn back to him. Give thanks to his holy name. Walk in triumph again because God has made that possible for you. And it is possible. He remembers his covenant with you. He remembers his promises that live inside of you by your spirit and by the Holy Spirit. And he will bring you to a place of joy and peace again. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.